This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUB Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. Week 14 of NFL Friday, we are into the home stretch, officially the last quarter of the season. Feel like this season is just flying by. Tom Scabelli joined by Tommy Aldridge and Christian Hoban. John Furlong will be on later in the show giving us fantasy advice throughout. And behind the glass, we've got David Spampanato and Charlie Maisano helping out. But we've got a loaded show today, guys. We're going to start off talking Thursday night football, Chiefs Raiders, an actually good Thursday night football game. Then we'll move into John Furlong's fantasy stardoms. We'll have our Giants segment with my Giants report, followed by Christian's Jet report and some Jet talk for that riveting Jets 49ers game. And as always, we'll wrap up with our weekly pick'em segment. But first, like I said, we're going to start on that Thursday night football game. The Chiefs beat the Raiders 21-13 in Kansas City. It was nice to finally see an actual football game on Thursday night. It was great to see a good football game on Thursday night. And it was even better to see an objectively good matchup within the AFC West. Two teams who came in with only three losses. And the Raiders, finally, in the, for the first time really in our lifetime, having a good team. Um, you know, it just wasn't their night, though. It wasn't Derek Carr's night specifically. I mean, you know, he's been an MVP candidate all season. This would have been the moment to step up primetime. I know it's Thursday, but still technically primetime. Would have on the road divisional opponent, and he he came up he came up short. It yeah, was unimpressive. It definitely wasn't his best game. I mean, I don't, you can't knock him too much. It's a primetime game against a divisional opponent on the road. Kansas City's defense is legit. I mean, but 117 yards on 41 attempts which is less than three yards an attempt that that is awful it it was bad it it wasn't a good night I don't want it to be the type of game where we start worrying about Derek Carr I think he's shown too much and that's and that's for the whole Raiders too I don't think I think we can give this Raiders team who only had two losses before sort of a break on this night you know they were away Arrowhead Stadium a tough uh, a tough place to play and I think there's too much young talent on this roster to say Ah, they're going to be playing wet poorly for the rest of the season. Yeah, it was a short week too. I mean, you can't you can't overlook that. I mean, I know everyone's got to play on Thursday eventually, but th- that's tough on the when you're going on the road. I mean, right. it's not that much of a trip, but you know it throws off your schedule. The short week and Derek Carr. You said you mentioned before it is a very young team, so that's yeah. something that can get to a young team better than a more experienced team. I mean, as good as the Raiders have been, I don't think we're expecting them to be at a level where they're going to be unbeatable no matter where they are, no matter who they play. I mean, like you said, they are still a young team. They're going to go through some bumps and bruises, and they ran into a Kansas City team that I want to talk about that is now, I guess right now they're the two seed, but they'd have a bye in the AFC. And I know Kansas City, I feel like they always get slept on. I feel like every year they win, they just keep winning, but everyone's like, ah, they're Kansas City. I think Kansas City is a great football team. I think Alex Smith is a good quarterback. I don't think he gets enough credit for being a good quarterback. I think Andy Reid, you can make all the you know clock jokes you want about him, but I think Andy Reid is a great football coach. He ter- he's been competitive you know, almost every year he's been in the league. He's turned around this Kansas City team that doesn't really have too many stars, but he makes, that, he makes sure his team is prepared week in and week out, and you can't discount that. Absolutely. Can't argue with anything you just said. And I mean— Thanks. We have to we have to give we have to give these guys some credit because I don't I forget the statistic but I believe they ended last season on like a ten game winning streak yeah and that puts their record in the past twenty plus weeks something incredible I mean they've only lost a few games well they started the season two and two and they're eight and one since then so I mean yeah. that's the second year in a row they've done something like that where you know bumps and bruises early and then just an unbelievable hot streak and what a weird team too because. Going into the night, I thought, you know, both two good teams, but the Raiders, when you watch them, they're just so much more. It seems like they have such a greater ability to score points. Yeah, they're, the they're a sexier, like more exactly, pizzazz team. Exactly. Yeah. But the Chiefs just, they find the weirdest ways to get it done. I mean, the, basically what I'm getting at here is, is it like sustainable? Do we see the Chiefs making a far run in the playoffs when it's seemingly, they seemingly win the game off pick sixes, punt returns, fake punts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know what you mean. Like, they don't have sort of anything you can rely on to be like, oh, they're always going to pull out the big play if they're down or whatever. But I don't know. They're so solid week in and week out. And you 
Look around the rest of the AFC. They've showed they could beat the Raiders. I think they could beat the Ravens or Steelers. The Patriots is the one test that you would look at. But, you know, without Gronk and maybe if that game can be in Kansas City, if Kansas City can, you know, finish strong and get the one seed, I could see Kansas City making the Super Bowl. And I, I don't know how many people thought that was a possibility at the beginning of the year, but they keep showing every year they're going to be a really good team. And they're you have to beat Kansas City. They're not going to beat themselves. And, you know, I think that that goes a long way in the playoffs. That's that's what makes them great. And, I mean, you talked about, you know, the Raiders are a, a more flashy team. But I think that also that goes to boom or bust. Like the Raiders, like they put up a bunch of points right. every week. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're going to get those bust weeks. But you get a team like the Chiefs that are consistent. They're not great at anything. And they're not going to beat themselves. And that's been those have been, that's been Andy Reid's teams for 15 years. They're not great at anything. They're not poor at anything either. But I... I I, like how much credit do we want to give Alex Smith? There's such a debate of is he a, just a game manager? Is he better? And like, I don't think you can deny that he's anything more than a game manager. The conversation then maybe is it bad to be a game manager? But I mean, I think he can make so. I I don't think game manager is like you know this awful label that everyone exactly. tries to make yeah. it out to be. I do think he does a good job of managing the games. But I mean, he also, he's very mobile, which doesn't get enough credit. He didn't run much last night, but he can make plays with his legs. He can throw the ball accurately. So I, I think Alex Smith is definitely in the top half of NFL quarterbacks. Certainly. Certainly. So I also, mean, you look at what he's done, even when he's on San Francisco, pretty much since he's been a starting quarterback outside of his first you know, two or three seasons, he's been on a winning team year in and year out. And there's something to be said for that. He also seems like the kind of guy who doesn't read anything. You know, he doesn't, yeah. Chiefs, they're stalling. You watch them three and out, three and out, three and out. Seemingly nothing going. And you know, in a Eli Manning s sort of way, he he. It doesn't seem like anything phases the guy. Well, it's because it's the same. It's always the same offense with Andy Reid. It's so consistent that West Coast offense. He's he doesn't have to get in his head. He doesn't make his quarterback make big plays to get right. his team out of a funk. It's just short, simple plays. And sometimes you're going to three and out, but that's just the nature of the offense. And that's why I think the whole offense doesn't get phased by it. Not just Alex Smith. It's the whole offense that they don't get phased by those stalled drives, like you mentioned. A note on the Chiefs, Tom. Uh, you you mentioned um, how much talent uh, was on that team. So. Really quick point about last night's game. Something I really enjoyed about it was just watching two seemingly, like, talented teams. Like, I wonder how many – I think you can make an argument that both these rosters are in the top five of total 53-man. I mean, everywhere you look on the Chiefs, Marcus Cooper, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, who went out last night, but Justin Houston. Same with the Rays. you got Khalil Mack and Mark Cooper. All these young sort of blue-chip players in the league. So that was super fun to watch, but I was really bummed to see – uh, Derek Johnson go down last night. It's sort of like it was the type of thing where he's done it so many times. When you saw the non-contact non-contact right. injury, I don't know if you saw. He just kind of took his helmet off and threw it, and he had this look on his face like he knew exactly yeah. what just happened. And I was watching some film. Not I was watching film, but ESPN was <laughs> doing a breakdown. <laughs> it was Teddy Bruschi on NFL Live was like showing some of his. I mean, how how many games has he played in this week? I don't even know. Like two or three, but. Uh, Man, he was making some plays. I think that could be a big loss for them. Yeah, but I mean, I, I was going to mention that too, but I think the Chiefs have shown an ability to withstand injuries. I mean, Jamal Charles seems like an afterthought because of Spencer yeah. Ware, Tarsandrick West, especially Ware, have been solid. Wide receiver Jeremy Macklin had missed a few weeks, and now all of a sudden Tyreek Hill is looking like a superstar. He had a couple touchdowns last night, one receiving and one return touchdown. He's a guy that's a playmaker, and the Chiefs, they, they've had Jamal Charles, but they haven't had a playmaker at the wide receiver position. So Tyreek Hill is going to continue playing like this. Maybe having that guy that you know can not just make those small West Coast plays, but can break a big one and break a big play, something that will put the Chief, this Chiefs team over the top. Yeah, I think I think the addition of um, Tyreek Hill is, is huge for the Chiefs offense because Jeremy Macklin has probably always been a playmaker, but it just seemed like the their specific offense and maybe a bit of Alex Smith. I don't know. It seemed like one guy just wasn't enough. So getting Tyreek Hill in there and seeing the production he's had, even at the receiver position, a lot of it's come from spectacular plays at punt returns, but he's made a lot of receiving touchdowns in the past couple of weeks. And um when you add Travis Kels to that Kelsey to that best route runner in college uh pro football according to Chris Collinsworth, it's a dangerous trifecta. 
Well, yeah, and you meant you mentioned Jeremy Macklin. The thing about Jeremy Ma- Jeremy Macklin is he is that West Coast that those short passes. He's that's the kind of receiver he is. You know, he gets you the first down. He doesn't get you the touchdown. And that's what Tyree Kill provides for the. I don't know how Chiefs. Jeremy Macklin would respond to that if he was sitting here. Though. Well, you know, I, <laughs> I, I am I'm an Eagles fan, so I watched notch. him years for years in Philadelphia, and he's great at what he does. But he's not that deep threat the way that Hill is, and that's that's what adds the, another dimension to the Chiefs' offense that really puts them over the over the top. And again, last night against the Chiefs or the Raiders, you saw it. All right, so I'm gonna read you guys the three remaining games for each team, and then just tell me who you think wins the division and how far you think they'll go before we move on to uh, John's fantasy advice. So the Chiefs. Have the Titans at home, the Broncos at home, then they're at San Diego, whereas the Raiders are at the Chargers, home against the Colts, and then at the Broncos. So they're playing two of the same three teams and then an AFC South team. I think looking at that schedule, Chiefs have home against the Titans, home against the Broncos, at the Chargers. That could very well be three wins. I think it's two wins at worst, which would put them at 12-4. and four. And the Raiders at the Chargers, home against the Colts at the Broncos. I think they'll lose one of those games. And with the Chiefs having beat the Raiders twice, they have the tiebreak. So I think the Chiefs will end up winning the AFC West, probably getting the one or two seed, more likely the two seed, and the Raiders will end up with the five. I like that analysis. I I completely agree with you, and I want to give the Chiefs that edge for another reason that sort of, you know, goes back to what we were talking about. If the Raiders are this sort of more flashy team to the Chiefs' consistency— if we're talking about three games in the NFL here, it's almost impossible to predict them, but I'll give the edge to the Chiefs who have been, you know, doing it longer for the Raiders, doing it longer than the Raiders, as in winning, um, winning on a more consistent basis. I just don't – I see the young Raider team, and I say not just young player-wise, but sort of young in this welcome back to the NFL type of thing. <laughs> like New to I, winning. Yeah, yeah, new to winning. I see them and that's and they're probably gonna you know, I'll give the Raiders probably two out of those three wins. They'll still finish with a great record, but I just think it makes more sense to see the Raiders in the uh, wild card. Yeah, I think it's very possible they both end up with the same record, Chiefs with the tiebreaker get in. Don't sleep on the Titans. I know it's in I'm Kansas Titans, City, guy. but the Titans are good. So I th- I think, you know, Titans, Broncos, Chargers, they the Chiefs should win all three of those games. That doesn't mean they will. I think there's a pretty good chance they both end up uh, twelve and four. What is it? Twelve, be? And, four. 12 and four. Yeah. Tiebreaker. Chiefs get it. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. So we're all in agreement that the Chiefs are the team to beat in the AFC West. Next, we're going to talk Giants, Cowboys, and we'll listen to my Giants report. Talk about last week the JPP injury. But first, let's get some fantasy advice from John Furlong. It's time for some fantasy football talk. Who are the best picks around the NFL? Plus, start them and sit them to help you win your league. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Good. What's up, John? Hey. Glad to finally be on after a semester of working Fridays. It's good to be good to be down here in the in the bunker, as Corey Miller likes in the to lab, say here cooking. on in, in the cooking in the lab <laughs> on a on a Friday night. But anyway, here are my three stardoms. Okay. <laughs> Don't give me that look, Tommy. Come on now. That sounds strange. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, here are my three starters for this week. My first starter, I got Russell Wilson. I mean, he hasn't been that great fantasy-wise. He's had a good season for the Seahawks, but he's been—he's the number 19 ranked quarterback in the league. Yeah, he's been when it comes to fantasy. When it comes to fantasy, and you would think with with having that kind of running ability to his game, you, he would score yeah. more points. But he's only scored 19 points. He's ranking 19th in fantasy this season. But this Green Bay defense, as we've seen week in and week out, is very porous, especially that secondary. They've been run over. They've been thrown over all week. I think. Kansas or not Kansas City, Green Bay is going to have to focus on either the pass or the run. They can't. They can't do both. I think they're going to focus on the run and stopping Thomas Rawls. That's going to leave a ton of space down the field for Russell Wilson. I think he goes up for a big, big game. My and second, they better try to stop Thomas Rawls. No, absolutely, because he <laughs> yeah. was a, he was a beast last game. But anyway, my second stardom is David Johnson. I don't know if he really goes as a stardom. Yeah. He's kind of an automatic <laughs> stardom at this in. point. But I, I've got a good argument why. And as a Dolphins fan, I can say this, but. The Dolphins' run defense is either incredible or it's just absolutely awful. And knowing the Dolphins, it's going to be absolutely awful this week against one of the best running backs in the league. And 
I'm not really, as I said, I'm not really sure if it's okay for me to put him on my start list because he's been the number one running back, basically the most valuable fantasy player in the league this year. Who saw that? I guess Tommy saw that coming. Hundred percent. I picked him too. I haven't been. I haven't been three leagues. Not to brag. Guy hasn't. (laughs) He hasn't had a bad week. I also don't know why. Except the bye week. I also don't know why I'm giving fantasy advice. My fantasy season was over when I picked Cam Newton over Zeke Elliott. So that's uh, rough. That was a real. It was fourth pick. I had. I had. I had fourth pick. A tight quarterback. A a tough one. That was in the FUV league, right? In the FUV I'm in the. League. I'm yes, playing sir. Roth this week in, in round one of the playoffs. Hey, not that I'm salty or anything, but I did lose out on the playoffs in a tiebreaker. Tried to tried Ooh. to tried to lobby Drew early in the season to make it an 18 playoff. We are in a 16 team league, guys. Yeah, it's only not like, six. It's it. not like it's like wow, that's... a 10 team league. This is a 16 team league, and Drew is just like, no, you gotta do well in the regular <laughs> season. That's my Drew impression. Not pretty and, spot on. Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I know. I try. And he told me, and I was just like, all right, whatever. I'll just I'll just make top six and end up losing out on a tiebreaker. And I'm currently number seven ranked. So thanks a lot, Drew, wherever you may be. Hopefully you <laughs> listen to this. Thanks a lot, bud. But anyway, at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, <laughs> probably probably doing whatever just it waiting. is. Waiting. <laughs> what, whatever it is, Drew does. I don't. I waiting don't know for these. a game to show up. Yeah, I don't even know. All right, my third stardom. Is right now it's gonna go. I'm gonna go Golden Tate, the Detroit wide like receiver. It. He had a huge breakout game. You could even say he's kind of a sleeper, but I, I put him in my stardom category. He had a great breakout game. He had 16 fantasy points, or excuse me, he had 20 fantasy points in his last game. And he's going up against a Bears team, a Bears defense that really has nothing to play for anymore. They played. <laughs> I guess they got. I, I could say that they got their best win of the season last week, where they <laughs> ran up. I guess 26. I think it was 26 points against a depleted. 49ers team, and that's going to be their high for the season. I think it's an on-the-road game. You don't have to worry about weather. You don't have to worry about Slafford not being able to sling it all over the place, and he's going to be able to sling it all over the place. And the Lions have been playing really well. The Lions are for real. And yeah. I'm, I absolutely, and I think, I think you got to follow the hot hand. And Stafford's been hot recently, and he, he. He saw Golden Tate how he plays in that last game. I don't know. I don't see a reason why Stafford's not going to throw to him yeah. six or seven times in this game for over a hundred yards and a touchdown. And Marvin Jones was out last week, so I'm not sure if he's going to return this week. But if he does, he'll probably still be a little bit banged up. So a lot of those targets that Jones was getting earlier in the season, I think, are going to keep going to to Golden Tate. Yeah. No, I I agree with you 100. percent So yeah, those are my. Fantasy stardoms, again, I don't know really why I'm qualified to give those, considering I, <laughs> yeah, I made one of, I made one of the lie. worst fantasy decisions yeah, just you say could you, have just made say this you year. Had the, just say yeah, you didn't say you're do 12 and one. Yeah, why would you? No, I got to come clean, man. It's I've been I've been living with the pain all season. <laughs> if it would have made it to the playoffs, I would have been fine with it, but now I've got to live with that pain for another mm. eight or nine months mm. until I get another I just, chance. I just have a question real quick about um, Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you concerned at all about the weather in Green Bay in December? I heard it's going to snow. No, uh, Look at what's... Have you heard Russell Wilson's comments? No, I, I haven't. Is it NFL.com it says Wilson hope it hopes it quote dumps snow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding. He's talking about it cuz he played in Wisconsin. Oh yeah, that's college. true. Yeah, he did play uh, Wisconsin. I think I think he'll be fine. I All think right. regardless All of the weather, I think yeah. they'll be fine. All he right, won't be as good it. of a fantasy option if it does snow. So, if you want to start Russell Wilson, <laughs> please pay attention to the weather channel, but other than that, <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to go. Uh, definitely Russell Wilson is a All start right. this week. All All right. Just checking. John, thanks for your advice. We'll have him on for your sit And if you say you're as bad, if you're as bad as you say you are, maybe <laughs> we'll just take your sit and put them as your stardom. So we'll <laughs> Damn do, it, David. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do some editing. So, All right, that wraps it up for our fantasy stardoms. now. We're going to move into some Giants talk. So the Giants have, I gotta say, it's their biggest game of the season so far, right? I mean, I know that the the NFC East title is looking less and less likely, but really, just for a wild card spot at this point. I mean, I think they definitely need to beat Dallas. I I previewed this game. I talked a little bit about their awful loss against Pittsburgh on uh, my Giants support. So let's take a listen. The Giants head into their biggest game of the season, coming off their worst game of the season. There's no way around it. Sunday's game at Pittsburgh was a disaster for Big Blue. It wasn't a game the Giants were predicted to win, but their performance was much worse than expected. The problem, as usual, was the offense. The play calling was questionable, Eli played very poorly, and the offensive line was awful, especially Eric Flowers. He cost the Giants two points with a holding penalty in the end zone, had a costly false start, and allowed eight quarterback pressures. First round pick or not, it's time to bench Flowers. He does nothing but hurt the team over and over again. 
To make matters worse, the Giants lost Jason Pierre-Paul. The star defensive end had surgery to repair his injured groin and a sports hernia. He's out for at least the rest of the regular season. This means Olivier Vernon will have to continue to play at a high level, while Kerry Wynn, Owa Odigizua, and rookie Romeo Okwara will have to step it up. They can't replace JPP's production fully, but I'm fairly optimistic about the trio. Wynn is solid against the run, while Odigizua and Okwara have flashed impressive pass rushing abilities. And they need to come up big this week because the NFL best 11-1 Cowboys ride into town on Sunday night. Since the G-Men won week one in Dallas, the Cowboys have won 11 straight behind rookies Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys clinched the division with a win, but I'm expecting Big Blue to pull the upset. The offense will finally play like they should, and the solid run defense can contain Elliott. Dallas is still a better team, but my gut says the Giants pull this one out 27-24 at home in primetime. With this week's Giants report, I'm Tom Scabelli, WFUV Sports. Just outdoes himself every week, that Tom Scabelli, with these Giant reports. Yeah, <laughs> Another beauty. Say, what a that guy. Well done. <laughs> uh, so, as I said, the biggest game, I think, of the season so far for the Giants. Before we, we preview that game, though, I want to talk about the Pittsburgh game because Time, I know you're a big Giant fan too, and that was one of the worst games I can remember the Giants playing. In so tough to a watch. I mean, the defense played actually okay. Three turnovers, 24 points, pretty good, especially in Pittsburgh. But the offense was brutal. Eli, I'm an Eli defender. He made a couple throws where it's like, Eli, what are you doing? That one to Larry Donnell. The offensive line was awful. Eric Flowers is the worst left tackle I've ever watched in my life, and... It, uh, some By play way, calling that, was questionable. I, I don't know. Tell us how you really feel. Larry Donnell was was that the first? That was the first time I've seen Larry Donnell in. I yeah, like, it was a like classic a, example I, of don't put Larry Donnell. I in. don't understand. Bad things happen. But uh, <laughs> you're right. No, it was it was such a rough game to watch. Like down to like sp- weirdly specific moments that I'm gonna remember where like they had uh, the Steelers back down on like the five yard line in like the middle of the third quarter and because as you said the defense was playing all right they were only down let's say like a score and it was like third and eight and uh Roethlisberger throws a tight window to uh Ladarius Green who just killed us by the way in classic Giants fashion and like DRC's hand was right there would have a millisecond would have batted down just things like that it just didn't seem to be the Giants day Eric Flowers ugh I can't even like <laughs> when he had that holding call in the end zone for for a safety made two nothing Pittsburgh. That's why I knew it was all right. What do you think about could the call? Be by the, the way, I thought that could be not called a lot. It I could mean, have been not he called. Sort of just but like, I'm not gonna. I mean, he kind of hooked his helmet. I think. I he mean, did. He did. I, I, I'm not against the call. I mean, I would yeah. have rather them not called. I do think there were some questionable calls, partic- or non calls, particularly on Beckham. And yeah. he even said after the game, he was like, "That's the same crew from the Carolina game this year." and the Redskins game this year. Both involved Josh Norman, both involved Odell getting some flags. So he said, I don't want them reffing our games anymore. And I don't blame him because apparently Odell uh, wanted to uh, – one of the – he got called for the offensive pass on Fiorentine, and he went up to one of the refs and said, you know, what's that all about just so I know to not do this in the future? And the ref said, like, get out of my face or something. And he was – I mean, that that's ridiculous. Yeah, like, yeah. It's almost like a grudge now against him. And it's a fine line for Odell. People like – you know, his haters love to call him a diva and – you know, watching the game, like watching the game, he more than any other week, he did seemingly jump up to complain after it looked like every ball thrown his way. But you know, to, he probably did get uh, held a couple times. Just to come to his defense for a second, people, you know, they do call him out on complaining a lot and being a diva. And you just quoted his, uh, I believe it was like his post game locker room sort of conference yeah. interview. And I don't know if you saw the video of that, but. It appears in that video when Odell starts talking about when the ref said, get out of my face, he almost becomes emotional. He starts to, like, his eyes look like, he looks like he's about to cry. And it's not Could the be. first time I've seen it. Yeah. He's just such <laughs> a passionate player. It's, yeah, he is. I mean, I, I do, under, some of the criticism of Odell is definitely warranted. I think some of it is unwarranted, too. But I, I think it's hard to have too much of a problem with anything Odell did the other, on Sunday. He kept his emotions in check, and he was just saying, like, the refs, uh, at least this particular group of refs, has been a little bit unfair to me, and I don't think he's wrong on that. Well, he got fined. He just got fined twelve thousand dollars for those. Yeah, comments. I saw that too, yeah, which is NFL. ridiculous. Which but is, have which the is refs just aren't going to get doing fined their great, saying, doing their job. Great work, NFL. <laughs> you know, you can't be speaking out like that against the officials. You know, 
He's that, just he's just how crazy. You say Odell's haters say he's a diva. I'm gonna say right now, Odell's a diva. <laughs> Call me a hater if you want. I mean, we no, had you, this, you know we had so this week one <laughs> debate with Corey Miller. So you can you yeah. can go listen to that if you want to hear my response to Odell being a diva. But the lo- the the short of it is that a diva. What separates was, Odell from being a diva is that back in the early 2000s, the height of the diva era, Chad Johnson, T.O. and T.O. The Moss. difference between uh, those guys and Odell is that Odell would never rip on a teammate. Odell never would ask for the ball more. By I all mean, accounts, give you, that. you could yeah. find 52 yeah. players in the locker room who would stand by Odell. Not the case with T.O., not the case with Ocho Cinco. Those are the deals. Odell, yeah, just is, Odell is a showman. I think maybe is Odell a, is, is a hundred percent a showman. I mean, yeah. but I don't think that necessarily equates flamboyant with is the right or... word to call him. He's flamboyant. Yeah, but there's he's, a difference. He's been fined one hundred and eight thousand nine hundred and twenty-six dollars this year by the NFL. That's probably like just this year by the NFL, which is for five crazy. for five on-field behavior incidents. Take that for what you will. It's NFL bias. <laughs> <laughs> call it as it is. And the other big story, obviously, Jason Pierre-Paul. As a sports hernia and a groin injury, he had surgery earlier in the week. He's out for at least the rest of the regular season. They said, if anything, maybe the earliest he could be back is the wild card game, more like the divisional round or conference championship if the Giants should even be there. And that is a killer loss because he was him and OV were starting to play like 07 and, and 2011 Giants with that pass rush. And to take one of him, one of them away is it's going to hurt. It is killer, Tom. And I'd love to hear your perspective on this, giving your knowledge of the Giants I was saying when it happened, I was saying, I I was having a tweet uh, conversation, if you will, with Speedy, Speedy Christian O'Hara, uh, and I said- FUV legend. Yes, <laughs> a WFUV legend. I was saying, is JPP in the top three Giants you would not want this to happen to? Yeah. I, I sort of assumed that Eli and Odell are one and two, given the state of the offense. If either one of them were to go down, that's it. But then, you know, the next, then you have the third slot for who would you least want this to happen to, a six-week injury, let's say. And, you know, who comes to mind? JPP, Olivier Vernon. Justin Pugh, if we've seen kind of how much his injury is hurt. Justin Pugh is a good one I didn't think about. Uh, Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins. I think JPP is third for sure. Yeah, and I think ultimately. And I think it's close with him and Odell. He's closer to Odell Ah. than I think Odell and Eli are closer. I think Eli... By far, most guy you do not yeah, want to get hurt, yeah. and then Odell, and then JPP. A yeah, bit and I'll, I'm with you on that because I feel like, and maybe this is just a biased Giants fan, like thinking about the 2011 Super Bowl talking, but you know, as good as Vernon is, and I believe he has one more sack or even one and a half more sacks on the year than JPP, and I think he leads the league in tackles for loss with Aaron Donald. As good as Vernon is playing, there's just JPP has an X factor to him. I believe that. Right. He, if, you know, if football is a game where one play can just flip the narrative of the game like that, I think definitely JPP is your guy on that team who just, with one play, can just disrupt everything. Pick six, batted down balls. Losing block him field is, goal. Remember that one against yeah, Dallas? Yeah, block field goal. I mean, he's the kind of guy who he can do that stuff on this team. So it's a bummer. The, the, the one encouraging thing is how well uh, Olivier Vernon's been playing. He's got a sack in five straight games. So, I mean, maybe you think... It's still on a hot streak. You mean maybe you get some more blocking with JPP out. They don't have to worry as much about the other side. But he has been playing well enough that hopefully they'll be able to cover a little bit. Uh, that he'll be able to cover a little yeah. bit just with how well he's been playing. I mean, it definitely helps that you know Vernon is playing as well as he is. And but that almost just sorry that just almost makes it, makes it more it, frustrating yeah, for because me because like, it's like have both what, of them at exactly, the same time. What, what could, have, could been. have been? But I, like I said, I think. The the Giants at least have some options. Like, Kerry Wynn is okay. He's better against the run, I think, than he is a pass rusher. But Romeo Aguara was really good in the preseason. He had yeah. a couple really solid preseason games. He had some sacks. And Owa Odigizua, which is a mouthful to say every time, <laughs> uh, I think he shows a lot of promise. I liked him coming out of UCLA last year. So I, I think that there there could be something there. Maybe this is a chance to get one of those guys going, maybe show that, hey, they could be a pretty solid pass rusher too. But – Needless to say, they're not going to come close to replacing uh, JPP's production. Well, another another important thing with the with the pass rush is when you've got a secondary that's been playing as well as the Giants secondary yeah. has, that gives the pass rush more time to get home, which is why I think you've mm-hmm. seen in additional success from Vernon and JPP as of late. I think you got to credit some of that to the, the secondary and the Absolutely. coverage. I would like to see them start maybe to to blitz a little bit more now, maybe yeah. with an outside linebacker, 
backer. Maybe you bring Kennard in or even Landon Collins from safety. We've seen him get to the quarterback a few times this year. So I think it's time for you know Spagnuolo to get even a little more creative with yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, the the safety blitz, the linebacker blitz is definitely you know mix it up. When you're when you're missing that defensive end, that star defensive end, that that can really mix things up for the the blockers who you know they figure oh we don't have to worry about Jason Pierre-Paul. Then you got guys coming off the edge, coming out of places you don't expect. Exactly. That, that can help Vernon stay hot. Yeah. All right. So talk about the JPP injury. Let's now talk about this Dallas game Sunday night at the Meadowlands. I mentioned in my report. I don't know why. It's probably just me being blind, but I, I I have a gut feeling the Giants win this game, and I know that Dallas is a better team. I'll say that. I know that the Giants don't have JPP, and I know that you know how good Dallas's offensive line is, which will make that JPP loss hurt even more. But I just think the offense, it can't stay this bad for so long, right? And especially maybe with Pew likely or questionable, I think more likely to come back this week, that could help get Eli some more time in the pocket. Maybe Eric Flowers shows, like, hey, like everyone stop making fun of me. <laughs> maybe I can actually be a decent left tackle for a game. Vereen may be back, too. So I think I think the Giants may have enough weapons to try to get Cruz involved, who's complaining, which was ridiculous, by the way, complaining about not getting the ball. I, I don't think anyone should be complaining that after such an ugly loss. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that was right of Cruz. But if he gets the ball a little bit more, I I, I, I just think the Giants are going to pull it out. I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, there's so much I could – I want to ask you so many things. Like, I want to ask you one. We were both at Giants training camp this summer. I, do you think Cruz has the ability to separate and get open? I'm just not I'm, sure if he does. I, really... I mean, he has showed – like, he's had – I can think of maybe three or four, like, big plays this oh, year. Oh, yeah, like that's 30, the dichotomy. 40-yard plays, like, down the sideline where it's like that was huge and at crucial moments too. Yeah. I don't think you do it consistently. I don't yeah. think you do it consistently like he did in, um, you know, 2011, 2012. But I would – I'd like to see him in the slot more. Yeah. Because I think Shepard can, can kind of be okay on the outside. He's younger. He's got more speed at this point than Cruz. I'd like to see Cruz, you know, try to try to get open over the middle a little bit more. We mentioned those big plays that he's had. They've all been down the sideline. So I'd like to see him I think he does his best work from the slot. So I'd see him see them get him see them get him, got it, more involved in the slot. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was last time they played the Cowboys that he did have that one touchdown on the season. So it'd be great to see him saucing uh, again against Dallas too. But I, I think you're right. I, I don't see well, I don't see the Giants losing this game because I'm biased. No, <laughs> but I don't see the Giants' offense sort of like staying as bad as they've appeared because after last week, you wanted to call the Giants' offense one of the worst in the league. I mean, you really did just yeah. after the way I, they played. It's not a stretch. You know? like me. But at the same time, I hesitate to say that because you just can't be that bad when you have Eli Manning and Odell Beckham. You know? Talent-wise, they're not one of the worst in the league. Production-wise, they have been one of the exactly. worst in the league. Exactly. You're right. So, you know— I just I want to say look for a big day from Odell and you know some hopefully big time hits in terms of like you know taking a slant to the house or something. Yeah, I need mean, it. That's what they're really gonna have to count on. Maybe you could get crew. I think they're gonna make a concerted effort to get Cruz the ball a little bit this week. Maybe see like five six targets for him, and maybe they could run the ball a little. While. I mean, I think you you could kind of run the ball on Dallas and Rashad Jennings and Perkins. That duo has been actually kind of decent a little bit uh, lately. It's been decent. I- I'd love for the Giants to find an identity, though. You know, I I like what I see. And it's almost, by the way, it's just going to become more difficult when Shane Vereen comes back because the Giants already look like they have this committee that they don't really know what they're doing with. And you add Shane Vereen in the mix, and he's just another player who you have to get on the field because he may be objectively the best one of those guys. You know, right. you think about how much he can catch and whatnot. So I think it'll be tough, but I I really think the Giants sort of – backfield of average players is hindering them because they don't know which one to get going and that falls that later leads them to sort of not know what their offensive strategy and identity right. is and I really think that's their biggest problem having no identity yeah I agree I let's I want to wrap this giant segment up because we're you know starting to get up there in time but uh real quick who do you guys think wins Giants or Cowboys Giants uh I just want to happen real quick for a second. I think it's going to be the Cowboys, and I get what you guys are saying about the Giants' offense, you know, how it's finally the breakout week for them because the Cowboys' defense isn't that great. The problem is you can't get any momentum going because when Dallas gets the ball back, they just hold on to it. That offensive line, that running game, you can't build any momentum because they just control the game. So I think, you know, they can get some big plays. That's why they need these big plays. They can get some big plays with Odell and Shepard, and Eli can throw the ball downfield a little bit against the Cowboys, but... 
you just you can't get you can't build that momentum yeah. against Dallas. We we're saying earlier, Ezekiel Elliott has never lost a road game in his life, high school, college, yeah. or the pros, which and is incredible and something. Sorry, I know we gotta wrap this up, but I think that really is a good point, uh, Chris. Like, if the Cowboys get ahead too much in this game, and it's cold, and things are moving slowly at MetLife, and the Cowboys are able to sort of just run the clock, it'll be bad news for the Giants. All right, we're gonna talk Jets next with Christian Goey's report, but first. Let's get fantasy sit-ems from John Furlong. Hello, guys. How you doing? Good. What's back up? again with Welcome my back. with my with my sit-ems here. And I just want to say, since I've got since I've got the airtime now, I'm going to go on the record and say that the Cowboys are going to blow out the Giants. I hate to burst your guys' Disagree. bubble, but I, gonna, I think it'll I the Giants, the Giants are going to lose by at least 20 in this game, guys. Ooh, if they wow. if That's they absurd. I don't think if so. they can if they can't keep up with the Steelers. You think they're going to be able to keep up no, with the No, they kept up with the Steelers. Not the score, look at the score. Were I you mean, I can't remember, but they kept up with them. Were you and I watching the same game? They it, it got worse towards the, it was look, close look, for like 75% of the game. They technically kept up with them. All right, anyway, not going to they paid so this, much poorly. <laughs> argument for after the yeah, show. Yeah, anyway, yeah. here are my three start my my three sit-ems. Since we're talking about the Giants, I'll start with Rashad Jennings because the Giants really never seem to run the ball. They seem to have True. An aversion to running the football, which is a very unusual thing for the Giants to do. When you think of a Giants team, you think of run the ball and kind of make Eli pass if he needs to. But this team just does not want to pass the ball. At Excuse me, they don't want to run the ball at all. And Jennings, his points are only going to come from receptions out of the backfield. And he did get a receiving touchdown last week, which was good. So he got a respectable amount of fantasy points for those of you who own him. But... I don't see where his production is going to come from. Do you really want to want to risk starting a guy who might get three points and maybe he'll get that lucky touchdown off a screen pass inside the ten yard line? Yeah, I don't think yeah. anything Especially like that is going to happen. Maybe Greenback. Uh, exactly. I would, I would yeah. not. Yeah, I would not play Rashad Jennings. My second uh, sit-em is going to be Allen Robinson of the Jag- of the Jaguars. Uh, most of Robinson's struggles this season have come from Blake Bortles' inept play. Yeah. Can we talk about this for a second? I thought the Jaguars were supposed to be like an up and coming team this year. Gus Bradley in his four or five year coaching career has three losing streaks of eight or more. That's that's almost impossible. That's I, I can't believe he still has a job. <laughs> he's so, he's been very disappointed. I feel really bad for the Jacksonville fans. They have been irrelevant for <laughs> I what, can't so what fans. He has a job, yeah. and I also can't believe Jeff Fisher got extended. That oh, that, my uh, Mr. Yeah. Seven and Nine. We've got to talk about. I mean, that, that is just. <laughs> Wild. But anyway, he's facing the Vikings defense, which is statistically Oof. the worst defense to go up against if you're a fantasy player. Yeah. I don't see any sort of points. Bortles is – it seems like it's going to get worse before it gets better for Bortles. He seems Agreed. lost. He seems – that long wind-up throwing motion that he's got has put him in a lot more trouble than it's, that has helped him. I think I, you've got to sit Allen Robinson this week. You've got to sit anyone on the Jaguars. Speaking of another team you want to sit anyone from, the New York Jets, you got to sit – Anyone on that team from the New York Jets? I'm going to go specifically Brandon Marshall because he's probably the most yeah. uh, commonly owned out of right. anybody. But all I'm going to say is Price Petty. Looking pretty bad. Enough said. Price, <laughs> he he, he Petty. loves throwing a Robbie Anderson though. No, he does. He loves him. And, <laughs> him and Robbie Anderson, man, they love. They, they, that's a great connection there. Yeah, it looked like a preseason game. Well, all right, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> it about did. No, it did look like. Wait, a wait, hold game. on. I have a quick question for John. I have. Uh, I've, I'm in a situation where I have to start either Brandon Marshall or Allen Robinson. Ooh, that's a very <laughs> – that is quite a conundrum there, my friend. Yeah, if yeah. I'm, gonna, if I'm, I'm not pulling Mike Evans out of my lineup, I'm so a, I got to – I'll say start Brandon Marshall. Unless you think I should start Sammy Watkins. Start Marshall. Well, all I would right. start Watkins out of actually all those. Against three. Pittsburgh, though? Yeah, Pittsburgh doesn't. All right. No, I I, I'd, I'd go Marshall just right. because you're not going to get anything I'd go one of those that, against that Vikings yeah, defense. Okay. This San Francisco is just so bad. It's about as good of a matchup you're going to yeah. get. But I can't in good conscience tell anyone to actively say, okay, go out and start Brandon right. Marshall. Like, like I can't, you can't, until, it's tough, until, though, until Bryce Petty shows he's a competent NFL quarterback, I can't, I can't give any sort of recommendation to him. All right. I, I agree with all that. Now, that's a good transition. We'll have John on more for sleepers, but let's talk about this inept Jets team. So the Jets just continue to embarrass themselves pretty much week in and week out. 41-10 to at-home loss on Monday night. They're now 3-9. and They're at San Francisco this week. Let's hear about the misery in uh, Christian Goey's Jets report. A 41-10 loss at home to the Colts has officially raised concerns to its peak. The Jets flat-out looked disinterested and uninspired on Monday night against a Colts team whose record was a modest 5-6. 
Once again, the Jets' defense looked just as bad, if not worse, than their offense. There was no pressure on the quarterback and no takeaways. The only good news in the game was that Bryce Petty finally replaced Ryan Fitzpatrick, who failed to spark the offense in the first half. Unfortunately, Petty wasn't very impressive given that he was 11 for 25 and threw two picks. But it's a lot to ask of a young quarterback to lead the team when there's a noticeable lack of effort and the team's down by four touchdowns by the time he walks on the field. Believe it or not, though, there were a couple fun moments that night. Two shirtless fans ran on the field and a state trooper and a security guard made the best tackles of the night. The other was the postgame, where Todd Bowles was the most expressive I've seen him be. So for the first time this year, we got handed to us. Man, that's very disappointing from a physical standpoint. He said that phrase many times, as if he was trying to one-up Allen Iverson's practice rant. Even more interesting was Bowles revealing his plan to start Petty for the rest of the season, regardless of Monday night's outcome. My other plan was for us to start in the last four games anyway, so we just started a half early. Finally, the team is looking towards the future. I'm excited to see what they have in Petty, who I have my doubts about as well. They'll be heading to San Francisco, who is really bad. I know the Jets are bad too, but I expect Petty to get the job done and make some big throws. 24-14 Jets is my final score. I know that's probably not a good thing in the long term, considering it hurts their draft position, but maybe we'll start seeing what Petty's potential actually is in these next few games. As for Bowles, I lost a lot of hope for him last year after Week 17, but for me, it's not fair to let him go after two seasons. Let's see how he does when given a real quarterback. Covering the... I'm Christian Goey, WFUV Sports. All right, so thanks to Christian for his Jets report. The Jets, I mean, at this point, how much do we have to talk about with the Jets? They just got absolutely embarrassed on Monday night, 41-10. to 10. It's like the players don't even care anymore. Bryce Petty finished the game as the starting quarterback, and he's going to be the starting quarterback for down the stretch starting with this game against San Francisco. But, guys, kind of just – open-ended question how bad just how bad are things with the Jets right now I mean they're terrible and I feel bad for Sean McDonough and John Gruden for having to call the game on uh, Monday (laughs) night which was you know not just over before by the second half but like in that weird like sort of like mid like limbo state of a it just had such a preseason vibe to it when like Bryce Petty was going in and I just I mean the Jets managed to make what was already a terrible game actually a terrible game. Yeah, it was it was thoroughly unsurprising. I think the only surprising thing is that the Colts managed to put up 41 points the yeah. way that Andrew Luck's been playing this year, but I think that just speaks to how well the Jets have been playing, that the Indianapolis Colts found it in them to score 41 points. That's how you know things yeah. are not I mean, going well. They just. Do you guys think Todd Bowles is on the hot seat? Yeah, I think he's oh, got it. Yeah. Very hot. Yeah, very, very I mean, hot seat. I, I would say so, too. I mean, the thing, like, I think Todd Bowles is, I mean, he seems like he could be a decent coach. They went 10-6 and six last year. But I, the fact that it seems like, you know, you hear guys about, like, Muhammad Wilkerson and whatnot that are almost, like, quitting, I mean, that's to me when it becomes a real problem, and that's when you look at the head coach. Yeah. yeah. I, has there ever been an NFL game that has had two coaches fired immediately in following the game? Because that could happen this week. Two coaches on the really hot seat. <laughs> Jets no, 49ers. You think Chip Kelly would get- Chip Kelly's lost 11 games in a row. I think that's fair. But I, I think Weber wins won't get fired. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Unless it'll be a, a maybe tie. it'll be a tie. They <laughs> both get fired. <laughs> yeah, I also three, heard, three like, this is irrelevant. I thought I heard something about Chip Kelly not being on the hot seat even after this season, but no, it's been it's been terrible for the Jets and Tom, I think you made a really good point like when the when Teams can be bad and seemingly have fight in them, but it just doesn't look like that with the Jets. And they seem to have a lot of players kind of just confused and bummed out. And it's just, it's a bad situation. It's a bad situation. We have a a quick quote from Todd Bowles that uh, Christian got the other night. So for the first time this year, we got handed to us. Man, that's very disappointing from a physical standpoint. Yeah. I mean, Todd Bowles, there's a few of those quotes Christian had. He just, did he say for the first time this year? They got yeah, they got beat up. Didn't, what about that? What about that Bills loss? <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, where where where's he getting that from? Actually, <laughs> now that we oh, no, think the, I'm, th- thinking, I'm thinking of another game. Bills, I'm thinking yeah. of another game. What I'm thinking about the Cardinals game. Sorry. Yeah, I mean Sorry. they've 20, lost twenty eight three. They've lost nine games. Twenty eight to three. Yeah, really. Come on. It doesn't now. bode well either that they had to play center uh, Nick Mangold on IR because you know if there's one yeah, that's maybe a, heart and right. soul of that team, the guy's been on it for like the past decade. He's staunch player. So 
That's another bummer for the team. So Bryce Petty is going to supposedly be the quarterback down the stretch for these final four games, starting at San Francisco. What do you guys think of the move, and what, how do you think Petty will be uh, this week at San Fran? I think it's a really interesting move. I mean, Chris, go ahead. But I, I, th- I think it's interesting, but I don't think that means that it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's interesting that they're giving up on Fitzpatrick. I don't think it's surprising. Um, but I don't think uh, Petty didn't even look that good against Indianapolis. Going back to his stats, you know, in garbage time, you figure you know maybe get some short passes, get some big plays. Eleven for twenty-five. Yeah, Ugh. we no, we were talking about uh, that touchdown He's pass bad. he had to Rob, Robbie <laughs> two, Anderson. Two picks. And thank God for that because if you were watching the game. That touchdown throw came after two really errant throws, and John Gruden even commented. He said, you know, two bad straight throws from Petty, who was not sort of impressing in his debut. But if that is the case, and if that is the case that he's playing these four games, then, I mean, that only bodes well for him because he just now has more opportunities to showcase what he's got. I think it's the right move because Ryan Fitzpatrick, you pretty much know at this point he's not the future of the Jets and Bryce Petty probably isn't either, but at least see what he's got. I wouldn't even mind. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen getting Hackenberg in for a game or two. Just see what you have now so that you could go into the offseason kind of you know, knowing your inventory. Do we have any quarterbacks on the roster right now that have any chance to be anything for us going forward? So let's just pick this game at San Francisco. Christian picked the Jets. I- I'm picking San Francisco. Kaepernick, I know he played awful last week, but he played pretty well at Miami the week before. I, I-, I think being that it's in San Francisco, too, the Jets are so bad. I'll go 49ers. I think it's like, I don't know. It's going to be a weird score. It's going to be like 11-7 or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm I'm going to take the 49ers as well. I'm going to take them 3-2. to two. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't think either team is going to do anything offensively, and I think I think it's just going to be I, – I would recommend not watching it. This yeah. has if you not, were thinking it, about watching it. It has nine to, six per, written yeah, all over it. Yeah, I'm going to recommend just, not watching it. Just to, like, you know, we've been – We've been dumping on the Jets, if you will, uh, for the past couple of minutes. Uh, you know, one the 49ers are one eleven, one and eleven. The Jets are three and ten. The difference, the difference, however, three is that nine. the Jets have a lot more players than I can name on their roster than the 49ers. <laughs> that's and that's, fair. if you think about it, it's kind of true. Irvin, that's, well, that's all that really matters, yeah. as we all no, know. No, no, no. I'm just players saying. That Tommy you know, Aldridge can name. If, it, <laughs> if it's two, decides who wins the game. If it's two seemingly Bad teams. I'll take the one with Brandon Marshall and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'm going right. to go Jets by three. All right. So that'll wrap it up with our Jets talk. Not a whole lot of optimism. Before we get into the weekly pick for the rest of the games, John, who do you have as your sleepers this week? I got week? two sleepers this week, guys. My first sleeper is Ted Ginn. He's a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. And as much as, much as it pains me to say, because as a Dolphins fan, he was just an absolute bust coming out of the first round from Ohio State. But anyway, watch out for Ted Ginn this weekend. I mean, it seems that... Cam has started to look to him more than he has Kelvin Benjamin in the past couple weeks. So look out for him, and it's it's a favorable matchup against a San Diego team who's really not playing for much anymore, and they're at home. And if Cam's going to come out and have a great game, it's going to be this week. And yeah. The San Diego defense really isn't that great. So look out for look out for Ted Ginn. And another sleeper, it's, again, it's, maybe you could put him in a different category. Maybe you could put him in my start category, move Golden Tate to sleeper. But anyway, I'll go with Julian Edelman here. He's averaged 13 targets in the past three games. And ever since Brady's come back, Brady just loves looking at him over the middle on a third down or a second down in short where you can just get the first down and keep trucking down the field. So I, w- I would not be surprised if Brady looked his way 13, 14 times this game against the Ravens because the Ravens have had a tough time covering underneath receivers. They've had a very yeah. tough time doing that. So I, I, if you've got Edelman and you're lucky enough to have him, absolutely start him. I Especially think got- if you're in PPR or something. Oh, like absolutely. Yeah, he's a he's yeah. a gem in a PPR league because he'll get you eight or nine catches every game. All right. Well, thanks, John. Hopefully your advice is better than your team was. Oh, my uh, God, yeah. No, my, t- my team actually I mean, ended it was up okay. It more, ended up okay. I was 7-6. More, more seven false six. than Drew. Um, yeah, yeah, come on. I would be in the playoffs. I would be making a run right now. I would be in the t- in the title game in three weeks if it wasn't for Drew, so thank you. All right, so now we're going to bring in uh, David and Charlie as well. They're going to join all of us. We're going to do really just rapid-fire picks. There's 13 games we haven't picked, not counting Giants, Jets, th- and Thursday Night Football. I'll read off the game. Give me the person that you think is going to win. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL prediction. The team you think is going to win, obviously, not not the person. But, all right, <laughs> you got to name the coach. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. I'm going with Pittsburgh. 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 
All right, I think we're having trouble in the back, so let's just roll through. San Diego at Carolina. I'm taking the Panthers. Yeah, Panthers in this one. I'm taking San Diego. All right, Cincinnati at Cleveland. Win one, not this week for the Browns. I'm taking the Bengals. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm taking the Bengals, too. The Bengals are bad. I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. Win number one. All right. Chicago at Detroit. I'll take the eight and four lines. I think this is one of the easiest games of the week. Same. Yeah, easiest one, Detroit. All right, next up, Houston at Indianapolis. Uh, Both teams six and six in that wild, wild AFC South. I think that the Colts playing better right now. Pull it out, especially at home. Yeah, this is actually a really good game in that division, but uh, I think Houston has a little more talent on their team. I'm going to have to go with Indianapolis. Osweiler has not been impressing me in Houston. All right, next up, Minnesota at Jacksonville. John Furlong back on with us for the picks. Now you do the second half of the picks. Who do you got, uh, Jags or Vikings in Jacksonville? You gotta go. You gotta go Vikings on this one. I just talked about Allen Robinson and how you don't start him against a fantasy uh, from a fantasy perspective. But how can you pick the Jags? Come on now. Yeah, I agree with you. I the the fact that if you're one of those guys that trust Vegas, it's only a three point line for Minnesota, which you would Vikings think it's have more. been really slumping recently. Yeah, though. you yeah. do I, gotta give. I, I think it'll be Minnesota, but I think it'll be close. Yeah, these are the two teams that were supposed to be good, the Jacksonville Jaguars in the offseason and the Minnesota Vikings in the first five week of the, weeks of the season. But, uh, man, uh, this is tough. I'm going to go with the Jaguars here. I'm going to have the, right. the Vikings ship continue to sink. I'm going to take the Vikings. All right. Uh, next up, Arizona at the Dolphins. I like the Dolphins at home. Yeah, same Dolphins. I like the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals as well, and this is coming from a Dolphins From a Dolphins fan. hoodie. He's wearing, wearing, a, he's wearing a, Dolphins a Dolphins hoodie, hoodie right Guys, now. Guys, I, I, I don't trust them right now. This team, right. The, the team got badly exposed last week. I think we saw who the real Dolphins were. Washington at Christian's Eagles. Sorry, Christian. I think Kirk Cousins is going to win this game. I think Washington's better. They take it. Yeah, Washington. Kirk Cousins is unimpressive. Carson Wentz <sighs> will be a Hall of Famer one day. Eagles at home. How can you be a delusional Eagles <laughs> fan? Like I didn't think those existed. You oh guys no, have, we exist. You guys have what been do you mean? We exist in eighty thousand strong. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be there on uh, Thursday night football. Eagles Giants at the link, December twenty uh, second. savage in the you. in the three hundred level. Anyway, we got to move on. That's a conversation for after the show between Colorado. you, Christian. All right, next up, Denver at Tennessee. Um, in love with the AFC South. I say it every week. I think Marcus Mary Goda takes it. They beat the Broncos. I'm looking at this one as a big game for the Broncos who want to stay alive in that wild card race, so I'm giving it to them. I would love to see the Broncos lose because that would really help the Dolphins. Even if they did lose to the Cardinals, that would keep them in the playoff race, but I'm going to go with the Broncos on this one. Titans impress me. I'm going to take the Titans here. Satan's at Saints. Satan's. <laughs> the opposite of the Saints. Opposite, yeah. <laughs> at the surging Buccaneers, I'm taking Jameis. Famous Jameis. Yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah, same. And I'm going to go with New Orleans on this one. All right, uh, Seattle at Green Bay. I'm taking uh, Green Bay at home. I think this is going to be a good game. I'm going to take Seattle. 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 <laughs> Sound like Bill Belichick. <laughs> All right, Atlanta at L.A. This is my upset of the week. Jeff Fisher comes out. Everyone calling against them. I'm saying they win. I'm going to have to say the Falcons win. You're nuts if you pick the Rams anytime this season. Yeah, no, no, gotta, no way. you got to go Falcons. No way. No way. No way. All right, so next up, Baltimore at New England on Monday night. Baltimore always plays New England tough. I still think the Pats win this one, though. Another good game here. Um, I'm going to give it to the Pats. This, is this game in New England? Yeah. yeah. Then the Pats. Well, I think John Harbaugh is the best coach in the NFL. I'm going to go with Baltimore. All right. Interesting. I, I could see Baltimore win. I think they're the biggest threat to New England in the AFC. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us. Week 14 of NFL Friday is in the books. Thanks to Charlie Maisano and David Spampanato for helping out in the back. John Furlong for his expert fantasy advice and Tommy Aldridge and Christian Oban for joining me, Tom Scabelli. Till next week, this has been NFL Friday.